You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen, and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 12 of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Um, I hope this finds everybody well. This is a very, very different, different podcast um, and a different YouTube upload. Um, we are recording Friday morning as opposed to Thursday night, and we're not recording live. So there's a couple reasons for that, but just quickly, um, my kids had an event uh, at their church, Vacation Bible School, and of course, as a father, I wanted to prioritize that, and they went and had a great time Thursday night. My intention was to have recorded this throughout the day on Thursday to still air it at the 8 p.m. on Central um, and have the podcast ready for Friday morning, but I wanted to wait for Inside Star Citizen, the uh, Arena Commander Part 2 update. I wanted to wait for that analysis, uh, and unfortunately, it did not release in enough time for me to uh, to be able to record. So here we are, Friday morning. It's it's going to be a pre-recording. It's going to be edited. Um, and then the second piece to this is I did release on socials that I'm trying a new audio recording um, for the several six years that I've been doing podcast creation. I've used Audacity, the free version. It's been great for what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, but the last recording just had just had a lot of like low quality errors. And so through my deep diving, um, I, I just wanted to use a paid for program. And because I'm big in Photoshop and I already have the Adobe suite, um, I went ahead and, and uh, committed to um, their version, which is Adobe Audition. So here we go. <laughs> so if you're joining us on YouTube, welcome. This is not a normal start to the podcast. And of course, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we're going to try to uh, we're going to try to get this uh, ship back on course. So the last update before we get into this, we will not have a lore deep dive today. Given everything this week and you know moving my kids to their vacation Bible school each day, uh, I have not had time to really put in the adequate effort to hit my high bar of lore deep diving into Squadron 42, which was the intent for this, this show. So this is just gonna be news, it's just gonna be updates. Um, I do wanna try something different and do kind of a um, reaction video to the Inside Star Citizens. So we're gonna try something different there, but this will not have a lore deep dive. That'll be next Thursday, episode 13, when we get into all things Squadron 42. 
All right, so here we go. Previously on Beyond the Verse, um, we went through Jumptown 2.1. Um, that ended back on June 5th, about four days ago. Um, we went into the Galactopedia update, went through all 20 short articles and the one full-length article. Um, we discussed the roadmap update and the roundup. Um, and then we went into the Inside Star Citizen Arena Reborn Part 1, which is about a 16-minute video, and it was great. Um, had great intel on this out of game game or out of the persistent universe game. Um, and then we ended with the 319.1 patch notes. So that was previously on Beyond the Verse. And for today, we'll be doing kind of the same thing and, and moving pretty quickly. Uh, but we will go through this week in Star Citizen, the subscriber flare that dropped on Tuesday, the uh, the monthly report for Star Citizen, which dropped Wednesday. Yesterday, the Inside Star Citizen Arena Reborn Part 2, which is 12, 12 and a half minute. And again, we'll do a reaction video. I think that'll be fun and something new to do on this podcast and on the YouTube channel. And then we'll wrap it up at that moment before we would normally have a Lord Deep Dive. So with that, let's get into the uh, This Week in Star Citizen. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen uh, and we'll get into this article. So I did want to, I usually kind of skip over this because my agenda for the, the show includes all of this information, but I do think there's a couple of, of things to pull out um, of these paragraphs of the narrative. And so I'm just going to read it verbatim for those of you uh, listening on podcast. Uh, obviously, if you're on the computer, you've already seen this more than likely, but here we go. Happy Monday, everyone. Work continues on various upcoming quality of life fixes for Alpha 319.1. We've made significant progress on some of the recent ASAP terminal issues. Thank you, God. Specifically where terminals and kiosks can become inoperable. Break. So <laughs> you remember in the last episode, we discussed this. If you're on my socials, you've seen all of this. Um, but yeah, it, Area 18 was pretty pretty rough uh, a few days ago. So I'm glad they're addressing it. Please, 319.1 can't come fast enough. A fixed candidate is currently going through all the checks, and we're looking to have this in your hands shortly, along with other performance improvements. As we ramp up our preparations for the upcoming 319.1 patch, we'd like to give a friendly reminder to check out our Star Citizen Alpha 319.1 long-term persistence update to keep you in the loop with what to expect with the upcoming patch break. If you have not listened to episode 11 or you have not seen this article, please do so. There are workarounds on how to save your items from 319.0 to 319.1. There's a workaround. You've got to like move it to another um, location so there's an instance save through time. Just just read it. There's three steps to make sure the products uh, or the items that you have found stay with you. So they've given you a heads up. I've given you a heads up. A lot of content creators have given <laughs> the community a heads up on what to do uh, to keep your items going into 319.1. Last weekend, so back to the article, Last weekend, members of the community team had the privilege of attending the Equinox 2953 Bar Citizen event in Ohio, USA. This was one of the most recent stops of our Bar Citizen World Tour, and if you weren't able to attend, fear not. There's plenty more to come throughout the rest of the year. Break. Uh, Austin, Texas is coming up on June 18th, and I will more than likely try to be there. 
I'm actually really excited. Uh, it looks like some of the um, CIG staff is going to be there. Um, it's going to be fun. We're getting into Alien Week, and so I'm kind of hoping there's like an alien flair uh, to this Bar Citizen World Tour, but we'll find out. More than likely, but we'll find out. <laughs> uh, and that's that's basically it. That's all I wanted to really bring to your attention. Nope, I lied. Third paragraph is what I wanted to end with. Oh, and did someone say CitizenCon? We know that many of you are excited to learn about this year's epic in-person celebration of all things Star Citizen, and we are just as excited to share all the deets with you about the venue, volunteering, cosplay, contest, community booths, and more. Expect a transmission very soon. Okay, so I probably won't do anything with the cosplay, and that's not like my shtick. Um, the venue is going to be important because I have my flight scheduled, but I don't have the hotel scheduled. <laughs> um, volunteering, hey, that'd be great. I, I actually, that's that's interesting to me. But the community booth piece is going to be important for me personally because, yes, we do have the sole provision in game organization, uh, but it's also a way for us to get this podcast um, out there and known to the community. So I'm very happy. I'm very content with where we currently are. 105 plus subscribers on YouTube, over 400 active listeners on podcast. Socials are blowing up. I, I'm happy with the progress, but I it, I think it's now my uh, now my killer instinct is starting to kick in, and like the Amazon businessman in me is starting to kick in. So I'm like, all right, what's next? <laughs> like, what's next? I'm I'm trying to improve the audio quality, the video quality. Now it's now it's building that community that we kind of know is possible. Um, with this. So I'm super excited about Citizen Kind. You will probably hear it first from me <laughs> if you don't hear from the uh, from CIG first, because I am very super passionate about Citizen Kind. So, and I would love to know on socials if you're going. Like, it would be awesome to see who's going and if we can um, collaborate on on what we're doing when we're there. I know I'm going, my brother is going as part of the organization. Let's get more people. So super excited about that. Okay. Um, on Tuesday, they dropped a subscriber promotion. Back to screen sharing. Um, what I normally try to do on my socials, and again, if you haven't followed, it's Star Citizen BTV Bravo Tango Victor um, on all social media platforms. Follow. I try to do this. Um, I try to create infographics and, and kind of that next layer of analysis on my posts. So not only are you getting the picture of the subscriber flare, but I'm also putting the cost of each one that's in the pledge store. And I'm also putting like, if you're a Centurion, what you're getting, Imperator, what you're getting, and what every subscriber has access to buy in the store. So, and the ship that is available each month. Feel free to follow, but here we go. Subscriber flare quickly. Um, just as you're looking at this image, the Centurion, which is all uh, all subscribers, are going to get this middle blade. It's with the green handle. Um, the Imperadors are getting this red blade. Well, they're getting both, the green blade and the red blade. This is the Imperador. And then any subscriber can go onto the pledge store and purchase this blue handle. Um, uh, dagger, good lord. I'm trying, trying to figure out what to call it. Um, it's more than a knife. But these three are the blades that you're gonna be getting in the month of June. So they have names. Let's actually go down and look at them. 
So here we go. <laughs> the Banu Zogo knife. The Zogo knife is a prize uh, among many Banu Solis for its versatility and cutting edge. The strong tip and wide belly of the blade make it particularly durable, a crucial feature in survival situations in which this blade excels. Current Centurion-level subscribers get the Banu Zogu knife as part of their subscription. Boom. There you go. Moving on. The Banu Mayura knife. A brutally effective product of Banu engineering, the Mayura knife is a vicious weapon designed for leaving wounds that won't heal easily. <laughs> the special metal alloy used in the construction of the blade is rust-resistant and remains ultra-sharp even after extensive use. Current Imperador-level subscribers get the Banu Zogo and the Mayunda knives as part of their subscription. Last but not least, the Banu Prambada, Pompombada knife? I don't know. I'm trying. Honed to a razor fine edge, the Pompada knife has a wide range of applications. The serrated edge is great for cutting through soft and flexible material like ropes or fabrics, while the gut hook can be used to overcome tougher resistance. The Banu Pompa Knife is available to all subscribers to pledge for from the subscriber exclusive store. And just so you know, each one of these knives are $4. So if you're a Centurion and you want the Imperador, the Imperador Knife's $4 and the Pompa Knife is $4. There you go. Moving on down, um, the ship of the month is the Asperia Prowler. And I did a... Uh, like a walk around video on all my socials a couple of days ago. Um, I called it to hangar and again, we did like a walk around. It is a beautiful ship. It is, it's one of the most aesthetically um, satisfying alien ships in my opinion. So again, it's this massive um, drop ship. And so you walk around, I mean, you're, you're looking at it on my screen here, but you walk around, you open up the front left side or the port side, um, you go into it and it's this, it's almost like the, um, uh, the Terrapin. So it's like a black interior with red highlights. So it has this, um, it's almost like a demonic like feel to it. It feels very sentient, like almost like the ship is alive and it moves as if it's alive and has joints. So it's a very, very cool ship as most of the alien ships are. Um, break real quick. I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to own an alien ship. It's not my aesthetic. It's not kind of my play style as much as I absolutely love everything about them. Uh, like the role player in me will not let me get it. <laughs> so like for me, the Valkyrie is, is my preferred dropship. Um, it's obviously human based. Um, so I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm torn. I'm very torn because some of these ships are, are really amazing. Back to the Prowler. Um, it's really cool. You walk up the stairs. Uh, again, you're in this like very dark ambience with red light. Um, there's two levels to the cockpit. So the base level is the co-pilot. And you have to go up uh, a ladder. And that top level is the the pilot seat. Um, but just like uh, a couple of videos ago, I showed you the Mirai Fury. It, there's You can't see in front of you. But once you start the ship, like it... it uh, my, like, it materializes and you can see in front of you. So with the Mirai Fury, it's like a bunch of cameras. With the alien ships, like the Prowler, it's almost like, like I said, like sentient. It's like the material fades away and you can see in front of you. So a very, very cool ship. Go fly it this month while it's free. 
it's totally worth it. Just know it is bugged. It is very bugged. Turret's not working. There's a lot of issues. You can go onto other people's socials to learn more about the issues. Um, but just know that there's a little bit of, of difficulties surrounding it. Last but not least, we talked about price for the knives. Let's talk about the price for the Prowler. Um, anybody can go into, if you're a subscriber, you can go into the Pledge Store and get it for $440. Or you can upgrade a ship to it for Warbond $410. So it's a little bit of a discounted price. It's still super expensive. Um, but you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if if you thought this game was affordable. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I think that's it. Let me just scroll through real quick to make sure I covered everything. Um, maybe just like a public service announcement. Know that the subscriber store uh, online has access to all the historic subscriber gear. So if you think, you know, hey, I really wanted uh, the paint packs from like three months ago or last month's backpacks, you can go in and get those items so long as you're a subscriber. There's my PSA for the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into the monthly report. So I'm going to go back to sharing my screen. Um, this is This is hard not to go line by line. I mean, this is it. Like, this is why we back this game. This is why it's an alpha. We we want to know its development. I would say the majority of the reason, aside from lore, that people listen to this podcast is to learn about the updates, what's happening, what's the latest and greatest information. So where I normally try to pull out, like, gold nuggets, um, I don't think... I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea just to go through and just read everything. Again, we're not doing a lore deep dive. If you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, feel free to skip ahead to a part that is more interesting to you. Um, but let's get into this monthly report. And the first subject is the AI tech. So last month, AI tech continued to improve the collision avoidance system to give better results when ground vehicles pass each other or NPCs. They also added support for driving along a predefined route, similar to how NPCs can move along a path. For this case, the designers can specify certain properties for the route, like the maximum permitted speed, which direction it should be driven, and if it should loop. There was work, uh, work then began on a dynamic pathfinding regeneration feature to improve how NPCs find and follow alternative routes. For example, if a hazard, like tree falling, a vehicle stopping, a fire hazard, impacts a navigation mesh triangle, the navigation volume will notify all related paths and check if new requests are submitted. The first stage of this was implementing an anchor structure to keep track of a location's navigation mesh and triangle, which is notified when a triangle is changed. These navigation anchors are then used to understand when parts of a triangle are modified and to check if new pathfinding is needed. May also saw AI tech begin investigating and implementing a solution for NPCs entering and exiting ships from EVA, thank God, using the external doors of an airlock system. For this, they set up ship and seat access as a usable, uh, as a usable to allow NPCs to find their closest entry position, fly to it, and trigger the right interaction. 
They also had to account for a ship's rotational velocity and allow NPCs to adjust their orientation as they approach. Break. So that paragraph had to do with NPCs, but there are still issues with EVAing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make up that word. There's issues EVAing into your own ship. So two days ago, I'm doing an 890 jump mercenary mission, and I'm uh, took me like 30 minutes to beat it because of all the different glitches that happen in the 890 jump missions. Uh, but as I'm flying uh, EVAing to my 325 Alpha, I open up, so you know, F, you hold on F, you click on enter ship. Sometimes you don't enter the ship. Sometimes it just opens up the door and drops the ladder and you're kind of expected to um, clench your butt and try to fly into the door, right? Because, um, I mean, the game, uh, it, it'll not glitch, but it'll the camera starts shakes. It starts shaking, and you don't really know where you are. It's very disorienting. And sometimes it will glitch you into your ship. Um, and so there's that mission that you just completed with maybe a, a lot of additional gear now wasted because you've glitched into your ship. So there's always this butt puckering moment of, of EVAing, uh, which first off is an amazing experience if you haven't played this game. You're in space, you've got this entire planet. For me at the time it was uh, our corp. You have this entire planet underneath you and it actually feels uh, dangerous. So a lot of these issues are kind of exacerbated in my opinion. Um, because of just this this uh, tense moment. But yeah, you don't know how you're going to end a mission sometimes when you're having an EVA back into your ship. This also is investigation missions. Uh, it's also in search missions. Uh, EVAing really anywhere needs some work to be done. All right, back to the article. On the AI tools side, improvements continue for both the usable coordinator and Apollo subsumption. I don't know what a subsumption is. For the usable coordinator, optimizations were made to the code and logic flow. They updated the visuals and changed to a new usable data view, too. For Apollo, the team implemented find references functionality with support for subsumption functions. Last paragraph. AI Tech also completed various support tasks, including creating flow graph nodes for all subsumption assignments to help the designers create scripted AI behaviors. More variable types to, uh, for use as assignment inputs were added alongside support for the usable system, tactical point system, and Alpha 319. So, I mean, that was huge. The AI tech is a long piece of this and, and a, lot of the, um, a lot of the effort, which it should be. Like, your game is made or broken. Made or broken? Make or break is like present tense, made or broken, I guess, past tense. Uh, by AI, how difficult is the game? How realistic is the game? It's not just, you know, you and other humans. There's also NPCs to consider. How smart, how intelligent is the artificial components to this game? Quickly, animation. The facial animation team uh, continued to create assets for PU-specific character types, this time relating to missions and gameplay. Cool. Art characters. In May, the character art team began to work on two outfits for the Dusters Gang and one for the Headhunters. Alongside this, character concept art prepared handoff documents for further Dusters outfits. I think the last time I did a, uh, a monthly report kind of analysis, it also mentioned 
like gangs from pyro and so just just to recap that or to bring up a similar point i'm really excited about learning about more gangs like right now in stanton you have xeno threat um which i mean is is fine like you you, you have the typical purple glowing um, like enemy when you do mercenary bunker missions. Um, I, I can't wait to introduce more, more signage, emblems, um, colored ships. Like I think it's going to be very interesting to grow the universe when it comes to the enemies or who you're actually fighting besides the Tavaran and the Vanduul. Art ships. Okay, this is probably going to be what's most important to viewers and listeners. So, art ships team. In the UK, the vehicle content team moved. Uh, let me just start over. In the UK, the vehicle content team moved an as yet unannounced ship through the white box stage. Interesting. It's currently in gray box with both the interior and exterior progressing well. A new ground vehicle variant progressed through the gray box stage as well. The team approached the end of their pass on vehicle tractor beams. Sweet. This included work on the Origin 315. Yes. Uh, Drake Caterpillar and Cutlass Black, Consolidated Outland Nomad, and the Misk Hole C. So I have the 315. I love the Origin the series. The 315 is one of my preferred ships to really do anything with, except for combat. Um, but I keep forgetting that the front of that ship is not a, a missile or it's not a, uh, a weapon system. It's a tractor beam. I keep forgetting that that small, small ship has a tractor beam. Development of the Crusader Spirit continued. Awesome. The C1 is almost gray box complete, while the A1 had its Lodo review. Uh, that's L-O-D-0, Lodo review, scheduled for early June. The MISC Freelancer's component rework progressed through the final art stage with Lodo's, uh, or loads mostly finished, and some Polish, Polish. <laughs> that's a lowercase p, guys. Uh, and some Polish tasks outstanding. It's due to finish final art this month. Last month, the team began preparing the RSI Polaris for White Box. I know a lot of people in my organization are super excited about the RSI Polaris, uh, and it's exciting to hear that it's moving into White Box. It's, it's starting to be produced. Love it. Quote, because this is a sizable capital ship, we have been breaking the vehicle down and planning a resource pack so that an interior can be constructed out of reusable elements. We also spent time reviewing the concept to highlight any areas that would need additional design time due to new gold standard requirements, end quote. The EU vehicle team. I, I have the Polaris. Um, I am really, really excited. So first off, RSI is a phenomenal vendor or manufacturer. Um, the Polaris is going to be very interesting to go up against like a hammerhead. <coughs> Excuse me. So there is a Perseus Polaris. There is a hammerhead. There's kind of all these in, in the same conversation and how they're going to be used in conjunction. It's going to be really awesome to introduce the Polaris and run it alongside a hammerhead. Can't wait. Back to the article. Still on art ships. 
In the U.S., the tumbral storm approached the end of the Lodo Greybox stage, with the team applying materials, palms, and decals to the exterior and interior. This is currently in the polishing stage, uh, with the devs tuning the visual balance. They also applied wear, uh, wear to the entire exterior and prepared to begin customization work with the various paints. The vehicle's interior lighting is nearly complete, with an upcoming pass planned for the exterior. I mean, I think the Temporal Storm is going to be this year. I mean, I, again, no intel to say, but just using these anecdotes and what I'm reading so far, I think we're pretty close to it. Back to the article. Gray box on the Apoa Santoc is mostly complete with only dashboard work remaining. Sweet. Quote. We have been generating a new set of textures to be used for labeling and the dashboard buttons as well as creating a new damage map to show through the gaps in the armor, which will be unique to Apoa. We are also creating a new palm sheet, which will also be unique to Apoa, US vehicle team. Let's keep going. Community, all right. Uh, so community had a lot to do with the 319 launch or the 319 patch release. Uh, they submitted an article called Call to Adventure. Um, they ran uh, in preparation for Alpha 319. The community team released another edition of Patch Watch uh, to highlight new features not on the roadmap as well as a contest welcoming community to R Corp. Awesome. Um, there's been some movement on... Um, I'll just go back to reading it. May also saw the culmination of months in preparation as the doors of the Bevet Convention Center opened for Invictus Launch Week 2053. To set players up for success and ensure that both newcomers and veterans got the most out of the military-themed event, the team compiled a comprehensive collection of information, including an FAQ, New Player's Guide, Welcome Hub, uh, Welcome Back Pilot Page, and a catch-all post in Spectrum. To add to the festivities, the, com uh, the community favorite manufacturer screenshot challenges returned. Invictus Launch Week also saw the unveiling of several new vehicles. And to share more information uh, with the community directly from the designers, the team published separate Q&As for the Temporal Storm, the RSI Links, and the Mirai Fury series. Furthermore, the team supported and attended community-driven events and met players in person at the Beacon. Uh, yeah, the Beacon event in Belgium and the Sacramento Bar Citizen as part of their Bar Citizen World Tour. Lastly, the team continued pre uh, preparing for several upcoming real-life events such as CitizenCon, whoop, and the upcoming International Bar Citizen Weekend. International Bar Citizen Weekend 2023 will take place June 17th through June 18th at venues near all of our studios, and we would love to see you there for some beverages and banter end quote by the community team and again that's what i was mentioning earlier about austin texas so cig has a major presence here in texas luckily i'm here uh, i think paul the astro historian is also um in in austin so it'd be really cool to see everybody there i will more than likely try my best to be there let's go quickly we're about halfway through engine part of the core engines uh Part of the core engine team's work last month was supporting Alpha 319. A major element of this was enabling design to overwrite density lifetime manager settings based on spatial markup. Once design utilized this, the engine team will be able to add specific cleanup rules to different areas of the game. For example, some areas could be cleaned up more aggressively to prevent persistent items from negatively affecting gameplay. That's huge. That's huge. So the way I'm reading this is like, you go into Art Corp during Invictus launch week and there's trash in boxes everywhere. 
medical gowns on orbital stations. I have a feeling that those are kind of what they're referencing as a way to clean up those areas to prevent like, I don't know, what we all see when we log into the game. <laughs> the team also progressed with their work on StarBuild, adding the remaining Linux support. StarBuild is now a feature parity with the old code build system and will be rolled out to, uh, to other departments soon. For the renderer, the team started removing legacy Gen 12 code. There's a lot to remove, but this will result in leaner and easier to maintain renderer code when complete. The core engine team also progressed with the generic shape system, adding editor support to save generic as well as remaining shapes. Multiple segments will be added before it's handed to the designers to use. For MemReplay 2.0, the team are currently adding more features, including file open dialogue, faster loading, and async symbol resolving uh, to get it ready for wider use. They're also adding optimizations and continuing to stabilize their feature stream to integrate it back into the main development stream. Last month, the physics team focused on improving and bug fixing, the new method for tracking unique geometry parts. They then improved cloth simulation to better simulation results, or for better simulation results, updated the rope and pulley systems, there it is again, and added cantilever simulation support. Finally, physics supported vehicles on tech issues and investigated performance issues with Alpha 319 for the release team. So I'm not going to lie. Even with my experience kind of working alongside Amazon Game Studios, my mentors, they had a community over there. So I have a little bit of working knowledge. And I say little bit, I mean it. A little bit of working knowledge on game development. The engine piece, just it's, it's way over my head. It's way over my head. I don't know how Linux support will, will benefit um, the game. So I don't have a lot of additional color to provide for the engine section. Other than when I see physics support working on cloth material, like, okay, make this as realistic as possible. Let's go. If we're actually going to be playing and living up in space, I want to make it feel like I actually could, right? The Arena Commander, I'm actually going to skip over the features Arena Commander. We did the YouTube part one video last week from Inside Star Citizen. We're going to be doing part two in here in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm going to skip over the Arena Commander updates and features. Features, characters, and weapons. Last month, the features team worked on ammo repooling, which allows players to redistribute the ammunition stored in their suits and inventory to maximize the number of full magazines. Yes! It, this is cosmetic in my mind. Um, it's not even that game breaking. It's not even that that uh, that annoying, but it is frustrating. So you go. This is kind of what this is, right? So you go and do like six mercenary missions in a row. You get a lot of P four, P eight rifles and ammunition. Of course, you spend most of it, you know, fighting. So you're gonna have like a hundred magazines that don't have full ammo and it's super annoying and so you can't like take two magazines one that has like 18 rounds and the next one has you know 12 rounds you're like hey that's a full 30 round magazine let's go but you can't combine them and so you are literally reloading your rifle with a magazine without its full ammunition that can actually be detrimental to your next raid or your next you know combat mission so 
it'll be nice to be able to, and this is the way I'm envisioning it, is going into your inventory, taking a magazine and just putting the magazines on top of each other and it knowing to like create the balance. So I think that would be great. Back to the article. Uh, once complete, it will make it less likely a player is left with a large number of magazines containing a few bullets each. Exactly. As it will prioritize filling up the magazine and the weapon first. Perfect. The team also explored a new negative actor status triggered by radiation. Radiation can be generated from a point emitter, which has a bigger impact on characters the closer they are to the source, or can be ambient within a room. Irradiated water was also explored, which affects an actor based on how submerged they are. When a character is affected by radiation, the protection of their outfit will start to decay. Once protection is gone, the actor will suffer radiation sickness and will need to seek medical aid to recover. The outfit, the outfit will regenerate its protective layer over time. I, I see Fallout. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you played Fallout 76 or really any Fallout game, I don't know, I, I, I have that sound is forever embedded in my brain. Like getting close to radiation, you start hearing the crackling, right, sound. I just, I see this being that experience. Let's go. Features gameplay. Montreal's Persistent Universe team focused on proof of concept investigations for the Entity Removal Destruction Trash Bin feature. The feature's test-driven development will be based on these investigation results and proof of concept findings, the latter of which was completed last month. The team also supported the Vehicle Died event, which is used by Soft Death and Vehicle Destruction. Uh, and made quality of life bug fixes for Alpha 319.1, staging content, and game dev. Plus, an issue with the RSI Constellation Series co-pilot seat user interface not connecting properly to the IFCS was fixed in this content files. In the content files, this was combined with a code fix aimed at the UI rules to prevent it from only tracking the pilot. These changes also create the potential for other ships to have their co-pilot UI updated properly if needed. Mission features. Uh, looks like we have like a couple more things to go through. My favorite section, mission features. The mission features team continue to work on the ship escort, data heist, and consignment retrieval missions and added the finishing touches to a new unlawful salvage mission where a ship must be stripped of an incriminating paint job before law enforcement arrives. Quote, another exciting development is that we're exploring a new lightweight PvP PvE event set aboard a modified version of the Siege of Orison Barge, in which players must figure out how to open shipping containers in order to steal the items within, all while Ninetales outlaws hold down the location for themselves. End quote. Mission Features Team. I love it. I would love to see... So first off, Siege of Orison is, is my favorite. Uh above Xenothread. So Xenothread, as awesome it is as to be in space and go and, and attack this, uh, you know, Javelin, or the Idris Ps, and you're with a Javelin, et cetera, et cetera. That's really awesome. I personally really, really enjoy the Siege of Orison. It kind of brings the space game down to like a Call of Duty-esque feel um, where you can get into a ship and fly. Like it's, it's just a really awesome, it's a really awesome take on a normal like FPS mission. 
For Alpha 319.1, the team rebalanced cargo generation within ships across various mission types, including salvage, assassination, and bounty hunting. This involved removing unsellable commodities and ensuring the profit fits the risk involved. Mission features actively worked on refactoring old missions into the current modular library, including missing person. Alongside this, they refactored how the destroyed drugs missions work and made part of them modular. For example, the previous version spawned hundreds of individual boxes, but with the help of a new code, they can now simply spawn pallets that come with drug box loadouts. Alongside significantly improved performance and reliability, this method allows the team to control the number of pallets spawned for different mission difficulties. Mission features ongoing work on Bounty Hunting version 2 progressed well as well. The designers are currently working with system, uh, systemic services and tools to develop the systems required to have virtual NPC bounties traveling around the system. One of the engineers, with the help of the Interactables team, is also developing a method for pods to attach to points in the world so they can seamlessly enter and exit the game space. Finally, the designers supported Invictus Launch Week, which involved fixing bugs and maintaining the Expo Hall transition system, the Javelin Tour, and the Bingle Flyby. So a lot, for me personally, a lot to get excited about. Um, I love the bounty missions, the bounty hunting missions. Love them. I love the mercenary missions. I have done the destroyed drugs mission like maybe two or three times, but it is pure chaos. Like you go into a bunker, um, like a processing facility, you go into a bunker and it's like floor to ceiling, wall to wall drug boxes. And like you just, you sit there and you attack the drugs. Um, or you can store the drugs, whatever you want to do with them. But it's a little chaotic. So I'm imagining having this palletized will put some form, um, some structure to those to those missions. Graphics, VFX, the visual FX, programming and planet tech. The graphics feature team spent the month working on performance improvements and new features, including screen space shadows, improvements to quantum jump tunnels, and rendered to texture zone culling. Break. For those of you listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube for the first time and you haven't ever played the game or haven't seen what a quantum jump looks like, the quantum jump is like your fast travel from planet to planet. That animation is amazing. I absolutely love it. Like you can be in a constellation Phoenix in this luxury kind of like second tier um, sitting in this like bar setting and have the quantum visuals going throughout the windows it's an amazing experience um i might end up doing like a side by side with this piece and a video of it actually happening it's a beautiful beautiful image so them making it even better i welcome it that's i love it i welcome it all right um where are we at here uh, so back to the article, global illumination is well underway. So far, the first iterations of a hash map based radiance cache, ray generation code and ray tracing prototype were completed. Improvements to Gen 12's validation error debugger were made to improve the accuracy of bug detection for faster issue assessment. Thank you. I think that'd be pretty important for where we're at in the game. In preparation for deferred render graph execution, Vulcan's frame synchronization was improved. Issues with gaps in pipeline resource sets at bind time were resolved <laughs> with a remapping update that uses continuous resource set layouts. 
you can tell when I'm not comfortable with like a, a developer subject matter. Cause like I read these sentences and I'm like, what, I, what are they even talking about? Let's try this again. Issues with gaps in pipeline resource sets at buying time were resolved with a remapping update that uses continuous resource sets layouts. Yeah, it didn't help the second time. Moving on. The Planet Tech team started finalizing quantum obstacle generation with generic shapes and asteroid fields. A collision issue detector uh, in wear, dirt, and paint modifiers were also added to the Rastar tool. Ongoing improvements to the biodome builder, uh, the biome builder, will reduce constant spawn despawning, which will turn, which in turn will relieve the physics team of large destruction cues. Water can now be simulated in engine and features the new disturbance component improvements. Finally, recent VFX features and bug fixes saw several direct improvements to both the editor and core tech framework. For example. The new master F VFX library can resave and export in the P4 format, and particles can now be found in a dedicated effects browser. Bugs related to damaged maps, particle effect placement, and in-editor crashes were solved as well. And we are at the last piece of the monthly report. In-game branding. The in-game branding team continued working on interior and exterior signage for Ruin Station and supported the EU locations team. That's important to the pyro update. Lighting. In May, the lighting team worked on Evictus Launch Week and continued to produce content for the pyro system. This was mainly focused on ruin stations, exterior, and lighting modules for its interior. Live tools. The live tools team continued to study the usability of the network operations center and are now starting to collect the results. This will allow them to establish an action to highlight improvement needs and priorities for the future. The team also released a new version of the internal error handling pipeline, which featured significant improvements over its predecessor. And the last segment, locations. In May, the locations team continued working on Pyro, making good progress on Ruin Station. They supported Invictus Launch Week as well. Between major tasks, one of the artists worked on a new racetrack, uh, on new racetracks, which was shown in a recent episode of Inside Star Citizen. The Sandbox team further developed planetary content for Pyro and continued to support the Montreal-based team on the new underground facilities. The organics team created new fauna for Pyro and are currently reworking uh, and currently reworking com of the upcoming systems planet to bring them up to current expectations. I'm going to reread that because the English in me is frustrated. The organics team created new fauna for Pyro and are currently reworking com of the upcoming systems planets to bring them up to current expectations. Yeah, I think that's just an editorial miss. <laughs> I'm having to like second guess my uh, my reading here. Okay. Last quote. We also have some very cool content that we are working on alongside all of this, and we'll share more info at a later date. Organics team. And I kind of lied. There's uh, a little bit more information here, so let's keep going. Narrative team. It's important because that has to do with lore. 
Over the course of May, the narrative team continued working on several of the mission initiatives started in previous months, including data heist, package extraction, and consignment retrieval. They also worked with the various design teams to brainstorm new mission ideas. Narrative also kicked off further discussions on Pyro, specifically going over the areas of influence of the system's various factions, as well as defining which groups are allies and rivals. During a recent motion capture session, the team recorded the first air traffic control assistant for cargo and will be looking to review and refine the wider experience in future months. That sounds really awesome. That's cool. The team also began polishing and implementing a new tourist behavior that will debut in an upcoming patch. Okay, so ATC and tourism. That's, I feel like those are gold nuggets that we need to take away. <laughs> Narrative also dedicated several of their weekly jams to exploring some of the verse's alien cultures and answering questions for some upcoming Xeno-language development. Finally, on the dispatch front, the team released a portfolio outlining the history of Invictus Launch Week, a Whitley's guide to the Prospector mining ship, and wrapped up the month with another batch of Galactopedia entries. All right, let's go. Online services. In May, the online services team applied fixes to the character repair system, enabling players to fix some log, uh, some login and other issues without restarting CIG support or requiring CIG report. They also provided bug fixes and optimizations for ASAP terminals. Thank you. The remainder of the month was spent optimizing persistent entity streaming to improve the performance of its backend database. Research and development. In May, the R&D team continued improving the temporal render mode for atmospheric and volumetric clouds, which are beautiful, by the way, in Area 18. So they did a, a really great job there. Additionally, planetary terrain height map generation was optimized to eliminate frame rate hitches that were reported by players. Aside from using a more suitable partitioning scheme for the tessellation of terrain patches, the changes also include terrain quad viewport culling before further tessellation by the GPU. The resulting height maps are later used to render large-scale planet terrain shadows and to spawn GPU particles on the ground. Three more sections, I promise. <laughs> Systemic Services and Tools. Systemic Services and Tools spent the month working towards Bounty Hunting 2.0, uh, well, version 2, including finalizing upstream work on the character creation services, R&D for bounty contract missions, a bounty marker prototype, and connecting the NPC tracker service to the game server. Additionally, a new C-Pound service. C-Pound? I wish I knew what that was. A new C-Pound service wrapper was completed. The team also continued working on the Quantum Odin tool, including making progress on the data-driven economy, Quanta State, Quanta Life, and the Battle Matrix and Battle System. Finally, SST continued uh, to support the recent live, sh live release, including several bug fixes and ship price modifications. UI and VX. Here we go. User interface. In May, the user interface team's artists and designers worked on the user interface for bounty hunting as well as concepts for upcoming gameplay features, while the Arena Commander team upgraded the multiplayer game's front-end menus. The UI tech team continued improving their tools, including making performance fixes and improvements to the debugging of complex UI screens. They also continued to work on the new interior and minimap feature. This is initially for Squadron 42, but will eventually be added to the PU. 
making navigating caves and landing zones a much smoother experience. Last, VFX. Last month, the visual effects team revisited several old particle libraries to take advantage of newer attributes that didn't exist when they were originally created. For example, alpha erosion is a setting that erodes a particle's alpha channel, reducing overall transparency to the process and helping to optimize the game's visuals. This was used effectively in Lorville's recently updated chimney smoke effects. Work also continued on several new derelicts in the modular kits for various pyro locations. So we just spent like 30 minutes going over the monthly report of May 2023. And again, I, I, I want to be clear, um, maybe that's not of everybody's interest. Maybe not everybody wants to listen to 30 minutes of production and development. But I think with, with any alpha game or any opportunity you have to participate and understand and learn a deeper level of development, it's going to help you with your patience and understanding of some of the dynamics and frustrations that we have with Star Citizen. It doesn't get rid of them. It doesn't change the fact that they're there, but the clarity of what teams are working on and how a team of hundreds and hundreds of developers take over a decade to create a game, this explains the why. We know the so what because we're allowed to play it, right? We know that that's exciting because we're in the world or we're in the universe, but this is the why it's taking so long to produce. So I personally love diving into it. I hope you got something out of the last 30 minutes. Let's wrap up this podcast with a reaction video of Inside Star Citizen Arena Reborn Part 2. So here we go. Screen sharing, the audio is gonna come through um, if you're listening on podcast. So I'm gonna go ahead and start playing it. Here we go. A first ever in Beyond the Verse reaction video for Inside Star Citizen. I'm still here, still trying to learn what all the buttons do. So while I'm at it, let's not waste any more of your time and get you all right into part two of this enormous Arena Commander update that's scheduled to make its way to you in the upcoming Alpha 320. And uh, I'll be right here when you get back. Dear best Jared impersonation. Oh, I don't want Last time on Inside Star Citizen. Just yell yep. really loud. Last time on Inside Star Citizen. <laughs> I don't even know what accent yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> Are you excited to be doing two ISCs in a row? It took me over 80 minutes in what we had only scheduled to be an hour to film what was probably a 15 minute episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially to Jared's team. <laughs> sorry guys. It's awesome to be getting such attention shown on Arena Commander and uh, I'm excited to finally bring it up to what I believe it has potential to be. Just pausing this real quick. I want I want their backgrounds. Basically, I want this studio in my house. Like I think I think they did an amazing job. Um, if you remember uh, several several months ago, they were in like a warehouse. I mean, they're in their new building, but you could see the construction being done. It was hard to hear Jared from time to time because of the background noise. Like I, they did an amazing, phenomenal job in this studio. So, back to the video. I get pinged like every other week asking 
to put atmosphere in the arena commander. And uh, now they finally have it, they can stop whining. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to whine about something else. I can't stop the whining, but I hope you liked it. So last ISC, we talked a lot about flight, but there's two other major parts that we want to be talking about here. And the first is FPS combat. So FPS combat in Arena Commander is so important because you need a place to practice shooting each other without actually dying for real, like you do in the Persistent Universe. So we need to make that experience as close to the Persistent Universe while still having it be fun and unique. So I need to do a lot better job of playing arena commander like the first person shooter piece I, I get in and i fly all the time like it, it's a lot of fun get your pirate badge like etc but i have never played the actual the actual like in-person fps piece um but it looks amazing so if you're if you're on podcast i apologize but if you're watching on youtube like this is a an amazing visual it's actually very beautiful it feels like halo um, I don't, I don't know if it plays like Halo, <laughs> but it feels and it looks like Halo. Cause you know, you're in this, um, uh, you're in this like building or warehouse and in, in the windows space and planets, like it's just a really cool, it's a really cool dynamic. So you access Star Marine game modes exactly the same as we showed last week with the new front end, new lobby system and jump straight into the action. Like that right there was beautiful. So with our existing maps, the BFX team are helping us out and doing a pass over everything. So it might not be finalized in the footage that you're seeing here, but we're excited to see where they can take it and uplift all of our levels because they're in need of a facelift. And uh, we've been working hard on fixing a lot of the, the bugs and frustrations across the maps. What I know is they did a lot of bug fixes recently. Um, I don't know, we're not meant to just say bug fixes. Fixing uh, doors that weren't meant to be there, resolving the fact that you could just smash through the glass which you're not meant to be able to smash through, and just go into EVA in the middle of the elimination, which is bad. Um, being able to get into areas you shouldn't be able to get into. So we fixed those up. In terms of new maps, we've got a variation on a fan favorite, Echo 11. We're introducing that to elimination. The Echo 11 is quite a big map for control. For elimination, we've tightened it up. We've uh, cut off access to the D room and some of A room and made it a little bit smaller so that the action can be more compact and suitable for elimination. So last week, we showed off Security Post Korea being introduced to dogfighting maps, but we've also introduced it to FPS maps, so you'll be able to play Elimination, Control, and some of the new game modes. I highly recommend watching that video on Security Post Korea. Like That is really awesome. We talked about it in the last episode, but being able to fly to this massive... It's, it's the place you go to get rid of your crime stat, right? So that whole loop. Uh, but being able to fight against that station, take out the hard points, maybe land and turn it into FPS. Like, it'd be really cool if there was, like, a two-in-one, like, combining those arena commanders. That would be interesting. On Korea itself. So to recap, for Star Marine, you'll be able to play on the Good Doctor a larger version for, of Echo 11 for control, small one for elimination, and the same for Damien and get Damien comms, as well as Security Post Korea, which is being introduced to elimination and control. So with the good doctor, at some point along the line, all the trees disappeared. So design of went in and restored that, so it's back in this beautiful oasis area that it's meant to be in and fixed the lighting and various other issues uh, that just happened over time, I don't know how. Uh, and now Good Doctor's looking beautiful again. So Star Marine is a personal favorite of mine. I love FPS combat. 
and I'm so excited to be uh, working on more additions to the FPS area of Arena Commander. And that leads us to something I'm super excited to talk about, and that's experimental mods. So this is huge. A lot of the community Experimental modes it. are important because it allows us to get back into what the real meaning of Arena Commander used to be, which is playtesting and making sure that things that are made for the PU and Arena Commander and Squadron work the way they're meant to. It allows us to put stuff into a testing environment where we can quickly check if just something works where we want it to, essentially. Somewhere along the line, we lost that. And when we formed the Arena Commander feature team, we knew that Arena Commander has to stand on its own and have these flagship game modes and new things that are unique to Arena Commander, but we still want to support the Persistent Universe and all our ventures that we go on. Experimental modes are important to us because it gets things in your hands quicker. Instead of waiting for these big, huge game modes to release, we can test things out uh, periodically for a day, a week, a month, and get it into your hands sooner rather than later. So let's dive in and take a look at some of the experimental modes that we have been working on. The first experimental mode is single weapon elimination, so you can jump. Hold on. I'm going to go back a couple of seconds. Did y'all see? So if you're watching on YouTube, the amount of mechanical pieces moving in the pistol. So I'm just going to play it again, but watch the mechanical pieces moving on each time the cartridge extracts from the pistol. That's the first time I've really paid attention to how amazing like the physics of the gun actually works. That that was really impressive. Check it out. Come on. That's awesome. The first experimental mode is single weapon elimination. So you can jump in with uh, what will be pistols for at first. From a developer's standpoint, single weapon elimination gives us the opportunity to really test weapons that we want to get tested. It allows us to check every single part of the weapon balancing and make sure that it works just right. We know that players want to test their skill against each other and the best way to do that is to make sure everyone's equal. So everyone gets the same weapons, everyone gets the weakest weapons in our first version and they get to just see who's better than the other. With 320 we're introducing pistol only elimination and that will be uh, the arc-like pistol and it's a personal favourite of mine, it adds increased time to kill uh, and uh, it came originally from playing with you guys, the community. And at the end of uh, a long session of Star Marine, someone threw out the idea of like, what, can we do like a pistol only round? And I just had so much fun with that. We ended up playing for at least another hour. Um, so that mode is inspired by that. So for this patch, it's just pistols only, but we can change it up at any point. It's simple parameters. And uh, if the weapons team come to us with a new weapon they want to test out, they want to get that analytic. <laughs> So I just paused it. Uh, I paused it on a screen of like a missile launcher with the, um, the penguin uh, attached to the end. The main reason why I wanted to pause it, um, you can see it on YouTube, you can't hear it on, on podcast, but the first, uh, the, the weapon only that they showed was grenade launcher. And I just, that just looks like pure chaos and a crap load of fun that I would love to get into. Um, but just like knowing that any time you step out of cover, you're pretty much dead. That would be hilarious. Frustrating if you care, <laughs> but hilarious otherwise. Pure chaos. Love it. Daily want to get the fun factor. We can put it into Arena Commander, whatever that weapon is only, and see how you guys like it. The next experimental mode that we're working on is Gun Rush. Now, names are 
temporary. Uh, they might change between now and release. But Gun Rush is where you start off with a pistol, and as you get a kill, it upgrades you. And then with every kill, you go to the next type of gun. You go through LMGs, SMGs. Some special weapons I won't spoil. Snipers and even the route. And then we've put some surprises in there for whoever gets to the last round. So Gun Rush, as the name might suggest, is super fast-paced. It lets you get your hands on many different weapons as you cycle through them and get some experience with stuff that you hadn't had. For example, I had no idea how to use shotguns. Still don't really, but I'm a little bit better at them now thanks to Gun Rush. So Gun Rush is only possible thanks to the refactors we've been doing to the spawning and loadout modules. So we can, instead of refreshing your entire loadout, switch out just the gun and it's super fast. And now, whereas before it was a bit of a clunky thing to do. Next one's Tonk Royale, and this guy. In the next experimental mode, we're well. bringing ground vehicles to Arena Commander, and that is Tonk Royale. So there's going to be three locations for Tonk Royale. It's going to be Hurston, Yella, and Magda. So how it works is simply we have a massive arena. We drop you in on these three various maps, and you just go to town. There's going to be three versions of Tonk Royale. First is classic elimination deathmatch, uh, respawns, uh, just get as high a score as you can. Second is squadron battle, so you are team versus team tanks. In squadron battle, it's super exciting because you can run as just the driver or you can join one of your teammates and be their gunner. And then the third is still being worked on, not sure if it's going to be making this release, but super excited about it is hardcore elimination. So essentially elimination, but you've only got the single life. When a tumble storm gets introduced to the verse, we'll be sure to add that to Tonk Royale as well. That's actually well done. After 320, we'll also be finishing off our racing refactor, which allows us to make maps faster and merges PU and AC racing systems together. It's going to be a more streamlined process for us, our designers, and a better experience for you, less buggy on both ends. So with the racing refactor, we've also been working on a betting module, which will let you bet on races. Now, we haven't got all betting of that module. signed off, but uh, excited to get that in if we can. What in the world would a betting module look like? <laughs> I'm just, sorry, I know we're live, like I know we're recording, but um, man, what does that look like to, to, to bet and watch races? That's so cool. That's <laughs> so cool. So just like the Persistent Universe, all of these maps, game modes, and features need to have their own individual go no goes. And at the time of recording this, we've got some successful goes for Alpha 320 for the following. The new Arena Commander front end. Nice. The new lobby system. The new spawning system, which allows for multi-crew gameplay. New death cameras and death recaps. A revamped scoreboard and scoring system. Four new racetracks for the new Horizon Speedway. Old Vanderval, Record Memorial, Deford Link, and Halloran Circuit. In addition to the four PU racetracks, the Snake Pit, Miner's Lament, Yadar Valley, and Icebreaker, the Jericho Station dogfighting map, Security Post Korea with dogfighting and FPS maps, the new Pirate Swarm Final Wave Capital Battle, the nice. new Echo 11 Elimination map, and new experimental game modes like Single Weapon Elimination, Gun Rush, Tonk Royale, Elimination and Squadron Battle versions, and finally, the new Infinite Wave Vandal Swarm you'll discover for yourself. So that about does it this week. I'm so excited to share all these cool developments with Arena Commander and Man. got the list here. I just want to give a shout out back to Adam, Adrian, Bryn, Corwin, Kirk, Mark, Ricky, Samuel, and Sean and Simon and the Arena Commander feature team. I'm sitting here in front of the camera, but man, the work is, it's, it's thanks to this amazing team that I have. Oh, 
That's cool. And I just couldn't say no to Jared because he's my dungeon master and I really don't want him to kill my character. Man, that looks great. Everything about everything about this looks looks great. I need to get more into Arena Commander. So, what did we learn this week? Well, we learned that changes to FPS maps should make for a more varied experience in Star Marine game modes. That the first ground vehicles are finally arriving with Tonk Royale and that we hope the new experimental modes will function not unlike dynamic events for the Persistent Universe, where they can provide timed, direct experiences the team can use for analytics and feedback from things as small as a single pistol, to a brand new vehicle, to even curious experiences like Gunrush, and a few more things that we're not quite ready to share just yet. Also, if you missed last week's show, go check that out and see everything else that's coming your way from the new Arena Commander feature team in the upcoming Alpha 320. There's some fun stuff in there. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for exploring the process of game development with us, and we'll see you all here next week. And you gotta stay for after the credits. Of course. There isn't going to be a post credits thing in what? the other show. <laughs> that is perfect, perfect timing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what is it? Like two episodes ago, I'm talking about you know, the D&D &D experience. Um, <laughs> and, and then obviously last week we had him trying to like, you know, destroy some noobs. So I call it out. I talk about it on my show. Hey, make sure you do it. You know, you stick around for every single one of their their shows. And 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 now, and now that just happened. And I've never, I did not pre-watch this. Obviously, that is hilarious. Um, so maybe it's not after every every single show. Well played, Jared. Well played. And with that, <laughs> I hope this finds everybody well. Again, a different pace, a different tempo, a different flavor of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. It's been a blessing. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Next Thursday for episode 13, we will get into everything Squadron 42 lore and what we can expect as gamers in this new game. So take care. Out here, guys. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, or emotional outbursts by emailing us at starcitizenbtv at gmail.com. Watch us live on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central at youtube.com forward slash at starcitizenbtv and follow the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram both at forward slash star citizen BTV. 
once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. Until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Thank you.